0: Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. Let me tell you a story about an honorable man. A man whose last wishes were disrespected after his death when he could do nothing about it. A man whose legacy was reviled and hated by the Jewish power structure. So reviled and so hated that they forced him quite an eminent man during his lifetime, to lie in an unmarked grave. And it is also a story about this man, Dr. Robert McCorkle, finally getting his due mead of glory, his life memorial, and a fitting remembrance ceremony at the National Alliance community two weeks ago. The memorial stands on a wooded hill in the mountains of Upper East Tennessee on National Alliance property, just down the hill from the site of the William Pierce Memorial Library and Research Center, and overlooking another grassy knoll on which the future Cosmotheist Chapel will be built. Along with the life rune with oak leaves symbol designed by Dr. William Pierce, on its stone face are engraved the words Robert McCorkle, 1935-2004. to 2004. His loyalty was his honor. Next to his dates of birth and death are the life rune and death rune symbols long used by many of our European ancestors for that same purpose. I can even remember finding late 19th century Norwegian-language newspapers in my grandparents' attic in northern Minnesota where birth and death notices were accompanied by these same runes. Back in 2016, I wrote a summary of Dr. McCorkle's life and career and his work for the National Alliance, and the insanely unjust treatment he received after his death at the hands of organized Jewry. Let me quote some passages from that account along with my commentary that I'll add today. Dr. Robert McCorkle was a soft-spoken retired chemistry professor from St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. He was something of a renaissance man, becoming a writer in addition to receiving his Ph.D. in chemistry from the University of Manitoba, carrying out geo and cosmochemical research at MIT and the Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory and teaching at several universities, including Harvard. He was also a dedicated, hard-working member of the National Alliance. After his retirement, he not only worked as an editor and researcher for the National Alliance, but he uprooted himself from a comfortable situation and relocated to the National Alliance West Virginia campus, where he helped Dr. Pierce in numerous practical ways in addition to his primary duties. And let me add that to anyone who knew Dr. Pierce, you know for sure that those practical ways included a lot of hard work. Dr. McCorkle didn't have to make that decision. With his achievements and qualifications, he could have had endless lucrative opportunities at research institutes, private industry, NGOs, or government service. But he chose to live in a Spartan cabin and work for the continued existence of his race by helping the National Alliance. He was even by our National Alliance founder's side every day, during William Pierce's final battle with cancer in a West Virginia hospital. That is an honorable man. Dr. McCorkle died two years after Dr. Pierce in 2004, then began a story so unbelievable that it's hard to even conceptualize without a deep insight into the hate-crazed soul of the racial enemy. Robert McCorkle's will was invalidated by the Canadian government in collusion with well-funded Jewish groups, invalidated because he left his estate valued at between $250,000 in 2004 dollars to $1 million dollars to the National Alliance. Both concurrent with and after his work at several Canadian universities and the Canadian Department of Energy, Mines and Resources, Dr. McCorkle was able to pursue his lifelong interest in history and prehistory and became a collector of antiquities from ancient civilizations. It was his collection of these artifacts some of which were exceedingly rare coins that was to go to the Alliance along with the rest of his estate. I first met Robert McCorkle in the early 2000s. He had joined the National Alliance in 1998. He and I both worked on projects for Dr. Pierce and sometimes we collaborated. He moved to the Alliance's West Virginia campus to do that work while Dr. Pierce was still alive, voluntarily accepting a rather spartan existence to do so. He was an intelligent, determined, and generous man. He was selflessly dedicated to the ideals and mission of the National Alliance, the survival and advancement of the European race. Dr. McCorkle willed not only his valuable collection of ancient coins, weapons, and other artifacts, but also some valuable investments to the National Alliance, his entire estate. Dr. Pierce's trusted associate, Fred Streed, was named executor of Dr. McCorkle's will. The estate went through all the necessary legal procedures, paperwork, etc., and was ready for final probate in 2013. Suddenly, Dr. McCorkle's estranged sister, Isabel McCorkle, so estranged that she usually didn't even use the same spelling for her last name, appeared on the scene, objecting to the will. She was also so estranged that she had not spoken to or had any contact with her brother since 1991, 22 years before her sudden reappearance. If she was aware of her brother's will and its bequest to the National Alliance before 2013, or had any real objection to it, she gave no indication saying and doing precisely nothing, making no legal claims of any kind for nine long years since Robert McCorkle's death. Evidence also shows that until she was contacted by Jewish groups, she wasn't even aware her brother had died nine years earlier. At the very last possible moment, when the bequest was soon slated to be dispersed, Isabel McCorkle materialized, brandishing legal papers calling for the will to be overturned. Strangely, these legal papers had been prepared by one of the priciest law firms in New Brunswick, despite the fact that Miss McCorkle claimed to be in straightened circumstances. And even more strangely, this obscure and previously totally uninvolved woman was accompanied by a veritable army of handholders, advisors, spokesmen, and handlers, people she didn't know and hadn't met until almost that very moment, including the Attorney General of New Brunswick and several Jewish groups, including... The League of Human Rights of B'nai B'rith, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, and leading the charge, even though it is not a Canadian organization, Alabama's so-called Southern Poverty Law Center. Now, what do you think the chances are that poor little Isabel arranged this coalition of force and money on her own? The SBLC alone has a war chest of hundreds of millions. Or is it more likely that Isabel was a paid-off pawn in a dirty game of politics and payoffs designed to prevent the National Alliance from receiving what it is due and what Dr. McCorkle wanted it to have? Neither the SPLC's high-priced lawyers nor the Jewish fixers made any claim that Dr. McCorkle's will was not properly drawn. They did not allege that Dr. McCorkle was not of sound mind when he made his will. They made not the slightest suggestion that there was any irregularity of any kind in the will itself or in the probate procedures." They even made no claim that Isabel had any familial right to even one cent's worth of the estate. Instead, they did what has never been done before. These Jews, using long estranged Isabel as a patsy, nakedly and shamelessly demanded that Robert McCorkle's dying wish, that his wealth be used as he chose and as he believed after his death, be disregarded and ignored because of the political and philosophical views of the National Alliance. They demanded that Dr. McCorkle's sacred right to dispose of his property as he saw fit, enjoyed up until today by every freeman under Anglo-Saxon common law for centuries, be disregarded and ignored because of the political and philosophical views of the National Alliance. They demanded that all the products of Dr. McCorkle's lifetime of work and thought and experience be brazenly stolen and awarded to a sister that he actively disliked, and to other family members which he had purposely omitted from his will. And further, they demanded that thousands of dollars from the estate also go to pay the alleged legal expenses of the Jewish groups who staged these fraudulent proceedings in the first place. Groups whose purposes were abhorred by Dr. McCorkle. Groups complicit in the ongoing genocide of our race. And the courts of New Brunswick, including the Appeals Court and the Supreme Court of Canada in Ottawa, agreed with these outrageously immoral and blatantly illegal Jewish demands. The estate of Dr. McCorkle was stolen. Defending against this anti-freedom illegitimate coalition, were the executor of the McCorkle estate, Fred Street, and the Canadian Association for Free Expression, led by stalwart patriot Paul Fromm and lawyers for the National Alliance. The man who made the initial decision to accede to these Jewish demands is Judge William Grant of the New Brunswick Court of Queen's Bench. Judge Grant ruled that the will could be voided because, he said, the National Alliance's published positions that whites, like any other race on planet Earth, require exclusive living space in order to survive, and are morally justified in achieving that prerequisite for life, were, quote, disgusting, repugnant, and revolting, close quote. Judge Grant ruled that whites seeking to change society so as to achieve white living space would be, by definition, violating Canadian hate speech laws and acting contrary to Canadian public policy. The judge stated that just by existing and advocating for white survival and identifying those who are committing genocide against whites— the National Alliance was in violation of the Canadian Criminal Code, Section three hundred nineteen two, prohibiting the public promotion of quote, hatred against any identifiable group. Close quote. Judge Grant is a despicable liar. Even if you accept these pretended laws limiting white Canadians' freedom of speech as valid, which I do not, and nor should any moral upstanding man, there is still zero evidence justifying his decision. National Alliance literature is freely distributed in Canada, and there have been no prosecutions on such a basis. The National Alliance radio program has been heard in Canada, initially via shortwave station WRNO and clear channel AM station KXEL, and now via the Internet and the National Alliance radio network since 1991 and is still heard there today. Neither the National Alliance nor its American members or Canadian members are banned in Canada. Neither the National Alliance nor its members have been convicted or even charged with violating any such laws in Canada. As Paul Fromm put it, quote, has a New Brunswick court taken us into Alice in Wonderland and the court of the Red Queen? The verdict is guilty, no need for a trial. Now on to the sentence, close quote. Plenty of Canadians of many different political persuasions are outraged by this decision, as they should be. A few comments which got through the censorship are these, quote, This decision means your legal will now means nothing. You simply cannot leave your estate to people the quote-unquote public decides it doesn't like. I think for this reason the decision is outrageous and will come back to haunt people. Close quote. Quote, the Jewish ancestry of many of the big-name law firms was a factor in this decision, to be sure. Close quote. Quote, so if the guy sold his collection before he died and gave the money to the group, it would have been allowed, but after he dies, his wishes don't matter. Close quote. Quote, watch out. Soon we won't be able to make donations or give gifts without government approval. Close quote. Quote, you can't receive bequests if you have acted illegally. What about when you chase schoolchildren to U.N. shelters and murder them as Israel has done? attack a rescue ship in international waters, kill a dozen and wound dozens of rescuers. There is only one race that can do that in front of the whole world and get away with it, and I don't have to tell you who. Close quote. quote the National Alliance has never been convicted of a single crime in Canada, yet cannot be a beneficiary in your will. Yet... Our major political parties and their leaders are regularly convicted of crimes, including serious felonies, and they can and do receive bequests, and not a word is said about it. I guess whether or not you have rights in Canada all depends on what Benet Brith thinks about you. Close quote. Perhaps even more outrageous than the theft of Dr. McCorkle's fortune is the fact that after all the screaming in the controlled media about the estate and the national alliance and Dr. McCorkle's devotion to it, Jews got together and successfully prevented any marker whatsoever from appearing over his grave because, supposedly, some Jews are buried in the same cemetery and they would feel fearful or afraid or offended by a stone, even bearing the name of this ferocious hater. Now I've seen it all. Dead Jews in fear of, or in fear of being offended by, a dead National Alliance member but their fear can be allayed just by denying him a grave marker. So, for many years, Dr. Robert McCorkle, that honorable man, that very honorable man, was denied a memorial. Now he has his memorial. Now he has had his service of remembrance. Now his community, the national alliance intentional white community, will remember him always. And I am proud to have been a part of that.